if we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is. The Bob France Authority. Good morning to you. Seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock, and we are underway. I scarcely believe that I would have had the opportunities to serve in the Congress, to serve the people of Indiana's governor, or to serve as your vice president without the life, uh, the example, uh, the encouragement, and ultimately the the friendship of Rush Limbaugh. First Lady Melania Trump presented Limbaugh with the Presidential Medal of Freedom one day after the host revealed he had advanced stage lung cancer. As soon as the word broke, the well wishes poured in. Perhaps what really made Rush Limbaugh the Rush, whose likeness would undoubtedly rest upon radio's Mount Rushmore, was his willingness to swim upstream, to challenge orthodoxy, a trait that gained him legions of fans and perhaps just as many who couldn't stand him. Conservative? Yes, absolutely. But he'd also say, distinctly American. I got a call from a friend of mine who was a big Rush fan, and he said, Rush loves you. I said, no, I don't see that. Because, you know, I hadn't heard. I'm not able to listen to the radio during the afternoon too much. You're on the trail, and you're making speeches or doing whatever you're doing. I was actually making speeches and running a business. I was doing both of them simultaneously, right? And uh, he just told me that, and then all of a sudden I started getting little transcript stuff. I would try to listen every once in a while. He was there right from the beginning, and it was incredible. And then I, I guess I called him just to thank him, and we developed just some very good friendship. We played golf together a little bit. He was a very strong guy, physically very strong, hit the ball a long way. He was <laughs> The death of Rush Limbaugh is a massive, massive loss for the United States of America. And I say that without an ounce of hyperbole or exaggeration. Rush Limbaugh's passing leaves a hole, I believe, in the patriotic heart of America. And when we heard yesterday, all of us, and I'm speaking, if I may, for his fans and supporters Americans, patriots, I guess I'm trying to speak for all of us. Maybe I can't, but I'm going to do my best. 
when we as a collective body heard about his passing yesterday, it wasn't so much shocking because we knew it was coming. It was a year in the making. In fact, because he announced a year ago on the eve, actually, of accepting the, I believe it was, accepting the Presidential Medal of Freedom that you just heard them recounting uh, at the President's State of the Union address. Um, He announced it that he had lung cancer and it was not something he was going to be able to battle and win over and defeat. His diagnosis was terminal lung cancer. It was only a matter of when. And he talked about it. He was very open about it on his program. He talked about how this isn't going to be a a matter of, again, trying to defeat this. The outcome is predetermined. It's we'll treat it and attack the cancer as long as we can preserve a quality of life while doing so. And if there ever came a point where the preservation of his quality of life or rather, the quality of his life was not necessarily deserving of preserving it longer in his own opinion, then he would stop that treatment. As it turned out, he got a year. And true to form, Rush Limbaugh didn't stop. He didn't stop until the very end. He worked. He inspired. He nursed a country still wounded from some very, very deep things that have divided us. Uh, he, he continued to do what he has done for decades, right up until the very end, as if it would ever end any other way. He didn't retire quietly and then 30, 60, 90 days later finally fade away. He did his shows until he could not do them any longer, and then it was quick and the expected outcome took place. The question now is how to remember the greatest who ever did it. I'm going to be a little repetitive, I think. I'm doing this all off the cuff, but I'm going to be a little repetitive because um, I did last night's Larry Elder show also off the cuff. Um, And I'm going to repeat some of that. So if you listened to Larry last night or to me on Larry's show last night, uh, you may have already heard some of this, but I hope it won't be too terribly uncomfortably redundant for you. Larry Elder, um, and I say this not because I fill in on his show, um, is one of the greatest talk show hosts ever to do conservative talk radio. I can say the same thing about several other hosts, not all of them Salem hosts, uh, but I will say it about a couple of them, because Dennis Prager, I think, is, is one of the most phenomenal voices of conservative talk radio in history. Hugh Hewitt, unlike almost any other. Um, but I can go outside. This isn't just a hey, let's let's uh, you know uh, blow Salem's horn here. Um, Mark Levin is one of the great. They call him the Great One for a reason. He's phenomenal. People like um, Sean Hannity, been doing talk radio for thirty years. He is one of the greatest to ever do this as well. So this isn't just about Salem, but I'm giving you some names of people who are some of the greatest conservative radio hosts in the history of the medium, all to tell you that they all pale in comparison to the greatest who ever did it. The greatest of all time for a couple of important reasons. 
The first one is there was no one before Rush. I mean, there were some great conservative speakers, but not daily radio hosts who dared to challenge the liberal media orthodoxy of the time, like Rush Limbaugh did. No one was before him. He was the original original conservative voice. He was the, the grandfather, the godfather. I said this on, on Facebook when I heard yesterday that he passed. I posted that the grandfather of conservative talk had passed away, and then I changed it. I changed the word talk to a different word, and that's the one I went with on the air last night. The grandfather of conservative pride has passed away. That's what he was. He was the original. He was unique. No one had done this before. That's one of the things that gives Rush Limbaugh the GOAT status, the greatest of all time. That's GOAT for those who don't know the vernacular. Uh, GOAT, when somebody calls somebody a GOAT, it's not a criticism. It is a praising as the greatest of all time. It's the fact that nobody ever did it before. And then secondly, it's the fact that he did it so well that there have been copies, countless numbers of copies through the last 30, 40 years because of him. You understand what I'm saying? All of the names that I just gave you, you would not know if it hadn't been for Rush Limbaugh. There would have been no Sean Hannity radio show. There would have been no Larry Elder, no Dennis Prager, no Mark Levin. Rush carved out a place for himself that didn't exist. He forced himself into the table to have a seat at the table of political discussion. And it gave conservative-minded Americans who had been forced into relative silence, it gave them their voice, all of us our voice. That's what makes him so unique. And then, of course, there's the other aspect of Rush Limbaugh's greatness, his brilliance. It's one thing to have the courage to create a format of conservative talk radio used to provide the other side of the story that you're not getting from the mainstream news, which, of course, back when he started, there was no Internet. It was all what you got on the network news from ABC, NBC, CBS, and then in the newspapers, the New York Times and Washington Post and Chicago Trib and all the rest. And there was nobody to push back to either dispute the lies and the misinformation presented by the left-wing media at the time, and don't get me wrong, it's not like that left-wing media was as crazy as today's left-wing media, but it was very, very slanted. A lot of people don't know that. It's not just that he had the courage to push back against them. It's that he had the tools. He had the facts. He had the study. He had the, he had the, 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 the wisdom. He would educate people on supply-side economics and trickle-down economics and uh, uh, the welfare state, uh, regulations, and why regulatory America was, in, was, was such a danger. I mean, all of the things that he talked about, he talked about with expertise because he was so brilliant. What made Rush Limbaugh great is that he did these things, as he often noted, with half his brain tied behind his back just to make it fair. At least to love that, uh, that phrasing. 
Uh, he did it with talent that wasn't his. It was just on loan from God, as he said. Those, what made him so unique, what made him the greatest ever, his courage, his originality and creativity, and, yes, his brilliance. But I'm going to wrap here with perhaps the, the greatest contribution and the greatest thing that I can say about him, beyond originality, beyond creativity, beyond brilliance. He loved this country. What made him unique and what made him great was his unwavering belief in American exceptionalism and American pride and our Constitution, the liberty that we all enjoy. He was so extraordinarily overrun with this belief in American greatness. Nothing would stop him from supporting the greatest country that has ever existed in the history of humankind. The critics, the haters, those who wish death upon him, those who literally yesterday celebrated his death, were not going to stop him. They weren't going to stop him from continuing to work on behalf of the American people, to hold its government accountable, to push for constitutional principles and conservative family values, all of the things that you know that we as conservative-minded people have been championing for years, we started championing out loud because one man started championing those things out loud. And that was Rush Limbaugh. I uh, made a comparison last night when I was doing the Elder Show to make this a little bit better, uh, to really underscore the, the legacy that Rush leaves behind. Um, you can't compare him to, you know, in terms of his impact and his greatness to anybody else in his industry because the gap between number one and numbers two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, and ten is so huge. And that's, again, no disrespect to the great conservative talk show hosts that are on the air now, but uh, the gap is so huge. You have to go to another playing field, if you will, to find a comparison for Rush Limbaugh's greatness. And the, what I did last night, and I'll repeat to you now, is the Super Bowl was held two weeks ago. And I know a lot of us swore ourselves off the NFL because of their woke policies and everything else. But I did watch the Browns in the playoffs, and I did watch uh, the Super Bowl. Tom Brady played in his 10th Super Bowl uh, two weeks ago, and he won his 7th. This is a sport in which if you're a quarterback and you have a 10-year career with some good statistics and you make two Super Bowls, you are in the Hall of Fame. This is a sport in which if you go to three or four Super Bowls, you're not just in the Hall of Fame. You're probably considered one of the top 10 quarterbacks of history. Well, if you go to three or four and you're one of the greatest in history and Tom Brady goes to 10 and wins seven by himself, then you are the unquestioned greatest of all time, and there's no one in second place that's close to you. That's Rush Limbaugh. Rush, if you know, Tom Brady is sporting seven Super Bowl rings. He holds up his hands, and you see seven rings on seven fingers. That's three more than anybody has ever had. If Rush Limbaugh got a championship ring for every year of his greatness and being better than everyone else, he would run out of digits. Ten fingers and ten toes, he would have to start doubling them up. Go back to the beginning of the the first ring finger, I guess. 
He w- because he did this for over 30 years, and he was the best every single year. That's the greatest of all time. And that's why we pay tribute to him today. I'm spending the first half hour almost of my radio program uh, mourning the loss of Rush. If it weren't for Rush Limbaugh, like I said, there would be no... There would be no Hannity, no Levin, no Prager, no Elder, no Hewitt, no Beck, no uh, Savage, and certainly no local hosts like Bob France. We all owe him for what we do, and no one has ever done it better. If you would like to express any of your memories uh, or thoughts on this, we'll try to squeeze you in. We have a very busy show. Jim Jordan is going to be joining us here in about uh, 15 minutes. We're going to talk uh, at the top of the hour with Dr. Everett Piper. We're also going to talk next hour with Jack Windsor about some Ohio political issues. Uh, and I welcome your thoughts. 216-901-0945 and 888-281-1110. This is The Authority. I've got drama, can't be stolen. Okay, 928, the Bob France on AM 1420, The Answer. Talking about Rush, so yes, let's come back in with Rush as a bumper song. Nicely done, Andrew. Appreciate that. Navy Man Norm is in Strongsville. He's got some thoughts on L. Rushbo, who passed yesterday, leaving a legacy that, quite frankly, will never be able to be uh, filled, uh, leaving a void that will never be able to be filled. Hey, Norm, go ahead, sir. Bob, good morning. Um, just wanted to say, I don't know many or any other talk show hosts who could maintain a uh, listener's listeners for 30 years. I mean, I started listening to him around 1990, probably a few years after he started. That's 30, now 31 years. I listened to him for 31 years. And I mean, I think the word that defines him best is genuine. He was a genuine man. He was honest. And he was very honest. He accepted his uh, faults as well as his uh, virtues. And he was he was the heart of conservative. I don't know who's going to replace him. He was the basis for everything that has developed. I, I think he's probably the greatest role model for every talk show host. Uh, people like yourself. Uh, I mean, you know, comparing you to him to. to to me, would be an honor, Bob, because I think you're in the same class as Rush, and your listeners here. Rush is in a Rush is in a class of, uh, by himself. I appreciate that, Norm, but I mean, really, Rush is in a class by himself. That's kind of why I did the Tom Brady thing, just because to show the gap between one and two. Um, it is so massive. There's nobody really that's in his class, but all of us borrowed something from him to create the programs that we have, uh, whether they be national, national in scale or local. We all borrowed something from him, even if we didn't get it directly from him. It means somebody else borrowed it and, and kind of uh, changed it up a little bit, uh, but there's elements of what Rush started doing over 30 years ago in every talk show host since, whether it be second, third, or fourth generation, removed from him. And that, to me, is the sign of true greatness. There will never be anybody else who can have that kind of an impact. Last thought, Norm, go ahead. You know, well, I will always remember him, if not for two reasons. One being, he designed some of the craziest and wildest-looking ties in the 1990s, (laughs) and I and I have two of them, and I mean, I wear them to this day. And I mean, people say, "Who should get that tie?" That is, and he was 
he had his own line of tights. He was just incredible. I mean, he just yeah. had the he, he was a natural. He had a knack of being able to hit the right tone, right the tunes with his listeners. And well, here's one of the here's one of the best things you can say about him related to what you just said, Norman. I thank you for your phone calls. We got to get to our news. In addition to his patriotism, in addition to his love of country and his brilliance and wisdom on the air, he was a great, great businessman. He knew how to take advantage of the opportunities this great country afforded him and all of us. He was a staunch defender and believer in capitalism, and he used it to his great benefit, as all great businessmen do. Just another way to say that there was no one like uh, quite like. Rush. Jim Jordan will join us after the news to talk more about this and beyond on AM 1420 The Answer. Well, I've learned what love really is during this. You know, I have a philosophy there's good. It happens and everything it may not reveal itself immediately. And even in the most dire circumstances, if you just wait, if you just remain open to things, the good in it will reveal itself. And that has happened to me as well. Rush Limbaugh spent an entire career and an entire lifetime finding the good in the United States, championing the exceptionalism of this great country. It was in his blood, and he shared it with us each and every day for decades. What an amazing and horrific loss uh, to this uh, to this great country. Uh, Congressman Jim Jordan joining us now. Uh, Congressman Jordan was unavailable on Monday for our normal weekly chat. He was kind enough to carve out a piece of his Thursday morning for us. Congressman, good morning. How are you? I'm doing. I'm doing fine, uh, uh, Bob. Uh... You know, it's funny, you just were playing that clip from Rush, and is that straight out of Scripture? You know, all things work together for good, those love the Lord. And it, uh, it, 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 that was his attitude. It was, um, he saw the glass half full all the time. And, uh, and he saw it that way because he had the right, uh, his, because of his strong faith and because he lived in the greatest country ever. And he, and he conveyed that every day. What a special special individual i was talking about this a little bit yesterday and then a little bit this morning before you came on too you know i started to call him the uh, grandfather of conservative talk but i think it's much more than that i changed it to the grandfather of conservative pride because what Mm. rush limbaugh did congressman to me is he gave all of us the, the the green light to be proud yep. as conservatives to to speak our conservatism out loud when before he came yeah. around I mean it was it was it was you know kind of like it's being now it's being quote unquote canceled in cancel culture um, it was silenced people weren't they they felt like there weren't enough of us uh, to speak these values we were essentially constrained by you know the left wing media of the day which of course yep. was just the network news pre internet days. Uh, and Rush Limbaugh made it okay for us to say things that we believed in uh, for, about our Constitution, about our great country, about this 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 cap, uh, capitalism, about our great republic. That pride, I think, yeah. that so many conservatives feel, we owe that to Rush. Yeah, and it, it, the, the left never got never gets this, never got it that that Rush didn't tell people what to think, tell people what to say, but he said what they instinctively understood, and, and he did it in such a compelling and articulate manner. That's what people love. And he did it in a fun way. He did it in a positive way. That's what Americans so appreciated about him. And it was, it, it was just captivating, and people loved it. And when he came along, as you said, it just, it, just, it just changed so many things. And that's what so many – I think of my dad. My dad was a union worker for General Motors. 
And my dad would go out in his shop after he's retired. He's been retired for several years now. Go out in his shop and work. And he played Rush Limbaugh every single day while he was working with his hands, working hard, but listening to this guy who validated what he believed and the great things he knew that this country offered its citizens. That's what, um, and that, that was millions of people all over the country who had that same kind of experience every single day. I um, refused yesterday, and I'm going to refuse today, to read any of the hate that has been uh, spewing forth from the left. Uh, literally moments after his death, uh, there were many dancing on his grave online. Uh, I'm not going to give them the time of day to read it, but I am going to ask your opinion about this. When I read some of those things privately, which I won't read on the air, it just it it, it, it just occurs to me, Congressman, that we will never... And I hate to be pessimistic, especially when you just said Russia was always glass half full, but I feel as though we will never be able to come together as a nation again. Not ever. There is simply no unifying, no compromising with the essence of pure evil. And what I'm reading from just everyday Americans who are on the left to American celebrities tap dancing on this man's grave after he just died from cancer, I'm trying to find a way or a time that I would ever be able to meet this person somewhere in the middle and shake their hands and say, we can agree on something. I I just don't think unity is possible when you're talking about that type of unadulterated evil. Well, well, I hope hope it is at some point. I I, I hope... um you know, look, um, it's a great country that offers every one of its citizens all kinds of endless opportunity if you're willing to set goals and work hard. And we need to focus on that. Maybe there's a way we can we can come together. It, it's frustrating when you hear some of the people on the left say the things they said about Rush because he was, I, I mean, I didn't know him as well as so many other people, but um, I, I will never forget a year ago, a little over a year ago, at the State of the Union address when, when uh, the First Lady presented him the Medal of Freedom. And when it was done, Mark Meadows and I uh, were on the floor, and we walked over. The, it's, the, it's kind of closing. This president has walked off the floor, but Russia's still standing up there. And Mark and I walk over, and we just, we just look up in the balcony, and we give Russia a thumbs up. And he looked down at Mark and I, and it, it was so funny because he, he did like a fist bump against his chest. He like two fist bumps against his chest, and then he just did like that, you know, two, two like arm, arm motions. that were, And this biggest smile, and Mark and I just started laughing. And that was Russ. He was just a happy guy. And you would think someone with, with that much optimism, that much positivity about him, that you wouldn't have some of the things written by these people and said by these people yesterday, particularly the day that he, uh, the day that he passed on. I hope we can get through it, Bob. Congress- I hope we can come together. I do, too. And that's a great story you just told about what happened when he got that Medal of Freedom at the State of the Union. Congressman Jordan, if uh, Rush had you on as a guest right now, he would not want to be talking about himself. He would want to talk about the news of the day. So in that spirit, I want to ask you about a couple of things. Two nights ago, uh, Joe Biden held a CNN town hall. And among other moments of just incredulity was this one. It's one thing that the vaccine, which we didn't have when we came into office, but a vaccinator. How do you get the vaccine into someone's arm? He claimed that we did not have the vaccine when he came into office. Now, some might say, well, he just flubbed. He just, you know, he he, he misspoke. He didn't mean to say that. But in a different interview on HBO with Axios, Kamala Harris said this. Right? It's in many ways no stockpile of of vaccines. No stockpile of vaccines, she said. There was no stockpile. She went on to say this. Sorry. In many ways, we are com- we're starting from scratch. 
We're starting I'm from so scratch, she said, Congressman Jordan. We did not have a stockpile. Yeah. Joe Biden, in a separate interview, said we didn't have that have the vaccine. There are pictures online of Joe Biden receiving his second dose of the vaccine <laughs> on January 11th, nine days before he took office. Did he forget that he got vaccinated before he became president? I mean, these types of lies, these types of statements, you can't call it a flub when both of them said it in separate interview settings. That was intentional messaging. Yeah. And you say what? Yeah, well, you know, you, you, some days you just wonder, is, is there anything that won't surprise us anymore? I mean, I don't know how they say that. It's, it's, it's just absolutely, as you point out, Bob, it's just absolutely not true. Operation Warp Speed was one of, the, one of the amazing accomplishments of any administration doing in a vaccine in that short amount of time. So um, they can say what they want. It, it, again, we we got to have folks, good folks in the media like you who call them on it. I wish more would do it. Uh, but I think in, in the end, this is all going to get through the American people. The American people are starting to look now like, what is what is Joe Biden doing? Who's what, You know, we see all these executive orders. We see the crazy proposal he has now for the border and for the immigration. 11 million uh, people, at least 11 million people he now wants to give amnesty to. He wants to stop the construction of the wall. He wants to say that there wasn't a vaccine when everyone knows, in fact, that there was because people were getting it. In fact, he himself got it. So I, yeah. think, I think more and more people are just starting to look at all this and say, wait a minute, what is going on here? And, um, you know, look, it's, it's not good for the country when you have leaders who are saying the things that these guys are saying and doing. But um, I think the, the American people are going to figure it all out. All right. Since you brought up um, uh, the immigration issues, I do want to talk about that as well. Um, Joe Biden's immigration plan is as radical as it gets. I mean, seriously, this is what every progressive has been dreaming about. Now, the only thing or one of the things that they're lying about, rather, is the number. They say 11 million. Um, I I don't buy that for one second. I don't know too many people who study this who do. We've been saying there are 11 million illegal aliens in this country for 10 years. So what did they stop that we haven't had or just as many are being put out as are being brought in? No, it's bull. It's more closer to 20 million. He wants to give a pathway to not just amnesty and you can stay, but you can stay and you can achieve citizenship and get voting rights. Is there any other way to see that than blatant politicking and an attempt to increase a liberal Democratic voter base? Yeah, I I mean, I don't know. I'm sure that that's not what they would say and that's not what they do say, but you're right. It's more than 11 million people. This is a pathway. This is amnesty pathway to citizenship at a time. I mean, think about this. Not going to continue construction of the wall, going to open up our borders, going to give a pathway to citizenship. And I, I thought we were in a pandemic. I thought this was, you know, well, we're concerned about who's coming into the country. So, and, and we're trying to rebuild our economy. And there are Americans who, who, who want to get back to work as well. So you, you, you put all that together in the package, and many Americans are saying, what, what is this? What are they actually, where's the common sense here? So, um, you know, look, uh, like I said before, I think the American people uh, are figuring this out. They said, wow, this is this guy is much more radical than they tried to portray us. Remember, it was just about a year ago when when Joe Biden wins the South Carolina primary. And it was like, you know, the Democrats are kind of like, well, well, we, we took care of that. We're not going to have Bernie on the, on the ticket. We can run the quote moderate. But now in power, we're seeing it's not moderate at all. It is pure left wing politics. That is very true. Uh, it, it is that. And, and the other part about this, too, is let, let's just talk about the danger of such policies. Forget about the, the, the um, uh, amnesty and this pathway to citizenship. Just the deportation order. Uh, the, the moratorium on deporting violent felons, people who have committed violent yep. acts uh, against, against uh, you know, uh, American citizens. They are there being treated with kid gloves now. Essentially, if we can't deport them, then we cannot detain them into detention facilities that are intended for processing deportations. So that 
that means they get sent where? Well, back into the public. You can't keep them in a jail. You can't keep them in a detention facility for deportation because you can't deport them. So in other words, we're taking violent people and saying, here, there's your smorgasbord of new victims to go after. Yeah, and there's, there's countless number of families around the country who have lost a loved one or had something terrible happen to them or, or a family member because of radical policies like this. And one of the one of the key things government is supposed to do is, first and foremost, the safety and security of its citizens, um, basic security measures. And, and this just doesn't make sense. What, what, what we should be doing is if they want to spend a little more money, how about spend a little more money on a few more judges on the, on the border so we can actually get these, these cases adjudicated, find out who, in fact, should be led into the country, who shouldn't, who, who actually meets the asylum criteria, refugee criteria, all this. Let's, let's focus on that. And then when we certainly, when we know that they're, they have a criminal background, they're actual criminal, don't, don't release them for goodness sake. Uh, so again, it's common sense and the American people understand that. Congressman, last thing uh, we'll talk about here as it pertains to immigration. Um, you said that uh, they don't want to build the wall anymore. They stopped building the wall. I, I would take issue with that, I guess, because they did build a wall. The problem is it's not at our southern border. It's around Washington, D.C. Yeah, yeah, it is well, It is fencing, it is razor wiring, and it is armed by I don't even know how many armed guards, national guardsmen. Uh, since when did we become this? And what is the justification? What is the, what is the, what is the, what are they offering us as a reason for militarizing our nation's capital in the way that they have? They said they had to protect it because there may have been threats made on the inauguration. I don't even know if that's accurate, but the inauguration was a month ago. This is still there with no sign of taking this wall down, by the way, that they say doesn't work. Walls don't work. So you're there every day. You're in that Capitol building. I'm sure you are discussing by the sight of what looks like, you know, old Soviet style, or uh, I don't even know what to yeah. call what this looks like here. How, is anything being done? Are yeah. Republicans tax- pushing back against that? Yeah, yeah. Your tax dollars hard at work to construct a wall around the capital that you paid for, that your, your, your seat of government, so that the politicians get protected. But meanwhile, there's no wall on the border to, to protect the citizens of this great country. And it, 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 it's, and it is wrong. People understand it. But I think it's all about, you know, the Democrats creating this 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 aura this atmosphere that oh they, everything is terrible give us more power more restrictions on your liberty your freedom we, we see what's happening to um your first amendment rights with the cancel culture i mean every day it's someone new and i gave a speech a couple of weeks ago and i just started the speech off by saying who's next who were they coming after next everyone has said something they wish they didn't say everyone has done something they wish they didn't do I mean, we're human beings. It's called. It, it, it's why we all need God's grace. So, so, but who are they going to come after next? And I told the Democrats a few weeks back, actually on the day of the impeachment vote, I told the Democrats, this cancel culture won't stop with Republicans. It will come after you too. Thirteen days later, Diane Feinstein Elementary School was renamed. It is no longer named after Senator Feinstein, one of the most liberal Democrats in the country, iconic senator from 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 California to the left. And she's not even good enough because she said something 37 years ago, Bob. Mm-hmm. So that's what this, in the end, I think this is really about. It's about going after your liberties, your rights, and most importantly, your First Amendment liberty. And this this crazy cancel culture um, mindset that 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 is, we're seeing we're seeing it play out every single day, and it is so wrong.
Yeah, it is. Uh, it is. It is quite simply. Um, dis- it's. It's very discouraging, right? It's very depressing when I look yep. at Washington D.C. and I look at the capital of my country and I look at my government under uh, under razor wire, armed guard protection, as if we are some sort of massive marauding, uh, you know, criminals who are, who are coming for them. Uh, I know what happened on January sixth was bad, but the idea that this is something that is going to be repeated or that this is something that is a threat that requires such horrific imaging, the way that imagery that the way they have that uh, set up right now is just. Uh, it's 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 just wrong, Congressman. Great yep. great conversation, sir. Thank you for your you uh, your thoughts on Rush Limbaugh as well. It's uh, it's a you huge bet. hole thank that we leave behind. But uh, thank you so much for your thoughts. Nine fifty one. That's Jim Jordan on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We'll get out and come back uh, on the authority. Okay, 9.55, continuing on AM 1420, The Answer. It's a busy Thursday. I don't even know if I said to you at the top because I got right into my Rush tribute and I uh, also forgot to give you the Pledge of Allegiance. I'll have to make up for that at the top of the next hour. Um, But it is the 18th morning of the second month in the year of our Lord, 2021. I mentioned to Jim Jordan um, about the hate. Um, And again, I will not give it the light that it doesn't deserve by reading it, but just a description of... There is no description, I suppose. Um, But what makes it more troubling of the hate that is being heaped upon Rush Limbaugh's grave, literally on the day of his passing yesterday, um, where it's coming from is what's most disgusting. Um, Liberal college professors, by the scores, taking to social media to dance and celebrate the death of, of an American citizen. Forget about who he is. To celebrate the death of an American citizen, to wish that he burns in hell, and to hope that he suffered until his very last breath. That's as far as I'll go as giving you what they said. That's a tiny, tiny, tiny fraction of what they have said. And I asked him, Jordan, you just heard him at the end there, you know, how do we come together? How do we ever unify? Joe Biden says we need to come together. We need to heal. We need to uh, bring the right and the left, the Republicans and Democrats together, and blah, 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 be the United States. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't want to heal. If that's who I am going to be forced to befriend or even to acquaint myself with, I don't want to shake the hand and say, hey, you're a fellow American, so am I. Let's do this together. If that person, when I'm not looking, or as soon as they walk away from me, is getting on Twitter and saying, I hope this SOB dies a painful, horrible death. I I don't see a time in which we can say, yeah, we have a disagreement on you know, various issues. We have a disagreement on the size of government, about foreign policy, about taxation, about, uh, you know, social issues. We have a disagreement on these things, but we're all Americans. We can fit, work together and even just agree to disagree on some of them. If, if we could do something like that, that would be one thing. But when they literally are just celebrating death and wishing pain and suffering upon those with whom they disagree, when they are willing to literally ruin people's lives, meaning take away their livelihoods, get them fired from their jobs, get their businesses shut down, attack the sponsors of their companies 
Um, when they're willing to put people on unemployment out of a difference of opinion on political matters, I don't think there's ever any coming together. I don't think I could ever shake the hand of one of these professors. And if you're a Facebook friend of mine, you can see the article I was talking about. I won't read them on the air, but I posted the article from the Daily Wire uh, listing some of the hate from liberal professors. These are the people in charge of your children and their educations when they get to college. Your kids are looking up to and learning from and perhaps being inspired by these professors expressing this kind of disgusting hate. I'm never going to be a friend to that. I'm never going to unite with that. And if that makes me the bad guy, then I guess I'll have to wear that badge. But I will not pretend that everything is okay and that, hey, because we're both Americans, um, I'm your friend, when you have literally wished a horrible, painful death upon another human being simply because you disagree with his ideology. And once that death has come, you celebrate it and wish that he is burning in hell. When you say those things, listen, I'll go through the rest of my life without ever having another friend before I will shake your hand and call you one. I would live in isolation before I would pretend that I can get along with somebody like that. So congratulations to the party of intolerance. Congratulations to the party of death. Congratulations to the progressive left in this country. You are succeeding in turning us from the United States of America to the divided States of America. Dr. Everett Piper will join us after the top of the hour on AM 1420 The Answer.